Welcome to the Career Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Orlando Haynes, and here is where we provide actionable advice for your career and life. Stay tuned, lock in, let's go. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Career Talks Podcast. Orlando Haynes. Let's get into the man, the myth, Mr. Dan Roth. You've seen the flyer. This is going to be straight talk, real talk, no chaser. So buckle up, uh, get your pen and pad ready. When I talked with this man prior to setting this up, we were kind of figuring out what what topic should we talk about, you know, with his wealth of experience. And what I loved about Dan, who was just like, hey, man, let's just let's just have a conversation. No set agenda doesn't mean there's no value that's going to come out of this conversation. We just don't have a set agenda. We're just going to let it go where it go. He has some things he might want to share and we just going to absolutely get into that. But before we do, uh, this episode is sponsored by the Career Accelerator Planner. It is a planner I co-created with my partner, Karen Turner. She is an executive coach as well. This planner is designed for corporate America. Uh, and professionals uh, who want to track their performance, value, and projects in one place where you can document all your wins that you've done throughout your career. Uh, This way, when it comes time for merit increases, performance reviews, um, transitioning to a new company, or need your resume updated, you have all the information in one place. Uh, So shoot all over to the careeraccelerateplanner.com. You can use code cap 25 for 25% off until the end of the year. We may push that out a little bit more, but go ahead again to careeraccelerateplanner.com. Use cap 25 for 25% off. All right. So this man, uh, if you haven't seen him on LinkedIn, he is a community builder, uh, a recruitment disruptor, professional speaker. Uh, I've admired him for a while. Let's just get him Let's just get into it with my brother, Mr. Dan Roth. How are you, sir? I have to give myself applause because nobody else is going to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's thanks, Dan. <laughs> thanks for having me on, Orlando. Uh, you know, right before we came on, I said to you, you know, uh, there were very few podcasts. I was like, okay, I got to get on this one because I'm just excited to talk with the host. And I've been off cam for so long. Thank you, Future Kane, uh, for being the one person outside my wife that could get me, you know, to avoid being on camera. Uh, so it's great to be back here. Um, for those that don't know, I use Ecamm Live. That's why you're gonna. I have the sound effect capabilities, so you may hear me flushing the toilet on myself a little bit today. We we've got a couple things going on that we could do. This is. <laughs> But I'm it's happy to be, be that kind of episode. That's that's the kind yeah. Of I mean, why not? Look, I I'm not used to people listening to me without a chaser. Usually, but here's here's the funny thing. 
usually when people listen to me, it's like they start with a beer and then they're chasers like a thing of tequila. Um, because <laughs> they need to forget what they just heard. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's 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 all good. It's been a fun time. Um, like I was mentioning, I've been off cam for a couple months producing my show with Feature, and uh, it's been a, a blessing of an experience. And you know, I'm gearing up for 2023. My show's coming back on the air. I've got a lot going on. Uh, a lot of amazing people. I just booked uh, the amazing Jesse Hempel to be on Healing Our Future this morning from Hello Monday. If anybody. Uh, isn't familiar with her so we've got great stuff going oh from linkedin yeah 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 Yeah. jesse is um jesse's a remarkable human being she has a new book out but more than that everything that she's done really speaks to showing who and what her soul is and even though she works for linkedin i think that it could get misunderstood that i'm just shouting her out for the sake of shouting her out but the reality is um I don't care what company people work for when they're showing their heart. It's very easy to see the difference. And she certainly does that. So I'm excited to bring her on in 2023. Awesome. Awesome. Let me just say hello for a few folks. Uh, Miss Juanita Coley, the content whisperer. Thank you so much for joining. Willina Long. Uh, she is an amazing executive coach as well. Thank you to this gentleman, Kanyemba, coming in from Kenya. I've been to Kenya years ago. Uh, and then also Heidi. Uh, so I appreciate you joining. So Lena Long is a partner of mine as well. We just launched uh, the Black Talent Collaborative. It's a new LinkedIn group uh, where we educate African-Americans uh, climbing the ladder and navigating the corporate landscape. And we just had our first event. Uh, Juanita Coley was a guest panelist. Uh, so I appreciate her for coming out and supporting that. So um, thank you. I have, all. To, I have yeah. to tell you, Lena is a good friend of mine. I don't know. Oh, if yeah, you knew, cool. no, yeah, I don't know if you knew that. She's an amazing coach. Yep. Uh, if y'all haven't seen her go live on Instagram, I think it's like every day at 8 a.m. Pacific. Yep, every day. Um, she does just an absolutely amazing job. So absolutely give her a double shout out. Yeah, she's amazing. Awesome. I appreciate everyone who's joining. So um, like we said, like I said at the top of the top of the call, we had no set agenda, but I know we talked and he was like, hey, there's some things that are, you know, I haven't shared that are on my chest. And I'm just going to open up the mic to you. And let you have your way, sir. Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you, Orlando, for for again having me on. It's been interesting. I was sitting down last night because I think everybody does their 2022 year in review newsletter. And I was thinking about whether or not I was going to write about what I'm going to talk about now. And I wasn't sure because... For the last three years, I focused primarily on helping job seekers and I focused on building community. And I've been very upfront and honest with everybody about what I've been doing. And the reality is over the last six months, when we started seeing the downturn in the economy with the jobs, when we started seeing the layoffs, there wasn't as much hiring to do. There hasn't been as much hiring to do. And while some people wound up less busy because of it, I wound up more busy or busier. Let me try to have the guy with a degree in journalism say things the right way. (laughs) And, (laughs) And what I started working on was I started working on actually creating 
infrastructure that allows for inclusive hiring practices that allows mm -hmm. for key performance metrics or key performance indicator to be taken into account for there to be real world consequences for people that don't hire with equity and diversity and inclusion. And I can't stress that word inclusion in mind. I've been working on learning and development series that go beyond what Fox News chooses to portray as the history. And it's the most rewarding work I think I've done in my career, but it's not, it's helping job seekers, but it's not specifically helping job seekers. And what I mean by that is the infrastructure is based off of the idea of creating these inclusive environments, but it's not helping people get jobs. It's just helping build the groundwork. Mm. And I wasn't ashamed of it, but I also wanted to make sure that I had an understanding of, getting everything in place before I shared it because how many times in history has a white showing male come on and said, Hey, I'm going to try to help fix something. Mm. Well, for me, it had to be more than, Hey, I'm just going to show I had to have the detail. I had to have the proof. I had to have the facts that backed up the fact of what I was doing and what I was creating. And I had a conversation with John Graham jr. For those that don't know him plantation uh, I promise you I'm not shouting. I don't get paid by him. But I had a conversation with him about kind of the the intricacies of it and how you actually get people to buy in and how, how it seems to be a conflict of common sense and ignorance <laughs> mm. and trying to really figure out how the best way to get those 2% at the top to buy into these things. But again, it's been some of the most rewarding work. No, it has been the most rewarding work I've ever done in my career. And that's not taking anything away from the work I did helping job seekers, the work I do helping job seekers. But when I look at my why, when I look at my purpose, this, I feel like if I could set a template for how we could move forward and create a more equitable global community, if I could play a small role in that, then that really that to me is a sense of accomplishment. So when, when was that pivotal moment? Was that during the, the, the pandemic where you, you had this epiphany and shift something? It, it sounds like it was already there, but you just decided to say, you know what, I'm, I'm about to take action on this and, and go all in. So, I mean, truly it goes back to when I was 15 and started working in diversity, equity, inclusion, but, okay. um, you know, two and a half years ago, I met, Future Kane, Elizabeth Leba, John Graham Jr., uh, Lola Bakari, and some others. And they really started schooling me in diversity, equity, inclusion from more than a... Let me put it this way. Before that, I was going based on what I thought I should do as opposed to what I actually should do. Mm. And these individuals I mentioned had no reason to take it upon themselves to school me, but I like to think they saw something in me that, that made them want to extend a hand. And trust me, when I say this, they were not gentle about it. There is no gentleness. Like you think, you think 
listening to me takes a chaser, try listening to Future when she's schooling you on this stuff. Try listening to Desiree B. Stevens when she starts talking about decolonization. That's stuff you really need a chaser for. And I had to ingest it, internalize it, and then I made it. And then it, I came up from it and was like, okay, this isn't just a sacrifice I'm willing to make. This is my life. So I started creating diversity events. I started bringing on different people from different walks of life. Mm. And then once I get in, got into corporate, once I had a lay of the land and understood who the pivotal pivotal people were that I needed to get myself um, in touch with. And I'll throw out a couple names just so people, because these are people that most of you don't know, but played a pivotal role for me. Sharita Washington is one of the co-presidents of our Black Employee Network at Amazon. Crystal Howard was an eye-opener for me. Uh, I'm going to butcher her last name. Natalie uh, Hazia Hagen might be backwards. Nicole Williams were tremendous role in showing me, okay, well, this is how we need to facilitate. And once I had those people there, then and only then was I able to say, okay, now I have the community to work with. Let's get to work mm. and, and let's do something that that's going to be pretty effing great. Uh, and, you know, this extends when we talk about community building, this extends, you, you can't do, you can't create infrastructure without a team. And a lot of the work I'm doing involves community outreach, whether it's affinity groups, regardless of organization that you're in, whether it's, uh, historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, whether it's crowdsourcing to gain data on LinkedIn or other platforms, there needs to be buy-in and there needs to be diversity of opinion that's brought in before anything could be implemented. This isn't, mm -hmm. hey, Dan has an idea, Dan's way is best, Dan's going to do it. This is okay, we have an idea here. Now let's gather all these different opinions, bring them together, figure out where the pain points are, what works best, and then how do we make a path forward from there? And how do we get the buy-in to make sure that it's not just talk, it's implementation, structure, and fact. And you're looking to do this, not only, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, in corporate, but out of corporate, like this is something you're doing regardless. What my hope is, is that first of all, I'm not the only one doing it. Right, 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 right. right. Like, I, like, I don't ever want it to come across like I feel like I'm the only one doing it. But I do feel like I have a platform to be able to get through doors that maybe some other people haven't been able to. So my hope is that the more I'm outspoken and talking about it, the more people can take the idea or reach out to me and we could work together to build this comprehensive system. I mean, look, we all know that the gender and racial wealth gap is not going to be closed anytime in our lifetimes. But if we could get one major company in our lifetimes to buy into the idea that diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and, and specifically inclusive based hiring is the way of the future is what needs, well, shit, shit. It should have been the way of the past, right. but right. also the way of the future and that one company sets the tone. And then others can buy in because it only takes one domino to fall for others to start piggybacking. I mean, just look at the, what we've gone through the last three years. We are a copycat nation. We're a copycat global society. 
It's the truth. And the sooner that we understand that, then the sooner, even if we look at it as a negative, we turn it into a positive because we make it work for us, not against us. Right. So what's your opinion um, in corporate America with the fear of really not just using DEI as a tagline, you know, having a slew of uh, diversity, inclusion, you know, opportunities since the George Floyd murder, all those things to look the part. What is your opinion thinking the fear in them not really taking it seriously? So here's the deal. When we when my team polled a bunch of people, and by the way, nothing I say is related to the opinion of the company I work for. And this, what I'm talking about, isn't just derivative of the work that I'm doing in corporate. I want to be very clear on that, cover my bases. Right. But when I polled people, whether it was in my private community or otherwise, and I asked, you know, what are you doing and why, and why the general response was, I'm not diversity hiring because it's not part of my metric. Mm. There's no backing to it. There, there's no, um, there's no repercussion. And the thing with that's very symptomatic, symbolic, excuse me, because the same response can often be heard when talking to their managers and their managers, managers. So in my personal opinion, and you know, love me or hate me for this. I have a feeling your show viewers are going to love me for this. It comes back to the fact that there's less than a handful of black CEOs of fortune 500 companies. The vast majority of CEOs are white and specifically white men. And when you have a, a, a system that was created purposely, thoughtfully to push others down to maintain your place at the top, they're not going to give that up willfully. Mm -hmm. You know, look at it. Let me put this analogy. If anybody's seen the movie Gladiator and you don't need to have seen it to understand this analogy, you have these Roman battles and you have individuals battling themselves to the death, but then you have one champion, right? Well, why does that one champion keep on fighting? It's to survive because if they don't, if they lose, they're dead. And when it comes to white supremacy culture, that is the same thought process that typically permeates within. If I allow, if I give up my seat on the top, then everything that I've done, everything I stand for washes away. I never will get that back. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then I ask you, what's the right thing to do? Yeah. It's uh, it, you made a good point too because yeah we're we're down to two I say we as a you know as a black community two CEOs of Fortune five hundred companies both women uh, one of CVS I think it's CVS or Walgreens I think it's CVS um, and then the second um, 
I forgot she took over what company, but <clears throat> excuse me. We had one gentleman who left uh, Merck. He was the CEO of Merck. Uh, but now, yeah, we're down to two in that community. But like you said, that hierarchy, um, but that diverse inclusion, if, if CEOs are truly thinking about, you know, bottom line, expanding, you know, uh, their product, their widget, whatever, returns back to shareholders, et cetera, you would think the simplicity of adding more diverse thought to reach a broader, you know, customer base, like it's, it's just that simple. It seems so simple, but there's still so much resistance. Uh, there is. And I remember, so I apologize. I didn't have the data, I, but I, I kept track of it for a long time. And I remember at one point there was five Lexi's. It was like four men and one woman. And then it turned down to like three and one. Um, I remember the entire controversy within the black community when Robert Johnson sold BET to become a billionaire because like, why are you giving up all this? And here's, you know, here's the sad reality, but also a positive reality. This pandemic has forced a ton of people to go into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Now, some are going to look like it. Okay. That's less people in corporate. I'm going to put a positive spin on it for every black individual that goes into entrepreneurship, someone there is going to hit it out of the park. And that company is going to become a fortune five. Mm. Now this is obviously the long game. And I've talked to enough people to know in the black community, you get tired of playing the long game. in this so i get it but i have to look at where the positives are now does that mean that we shouldn't be focused on creating a more direct route to diversity in corporate absolutely and by the way the latino community gets grossly underlooked and underappreciated there's been so much and not incorrectly i want to be very careful with how i say that there's been so much focus on the black community and rightfully so since George Floyd and really even before that, but the Latino community, the Asian communities are all dealing uh, the Indian communities are all dealing with not the same issues, but similar issues when it comes to representation. And there has never, in my opinion, been a core there's never been a table setter that said, okay, well, we're going to create the foundation that everybody else can copy and go on. Mm. If you could, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, If you could, if you were a king for a day, president for a day, what would that, that foundation look like? So first, I think it's funny that you say king or president for the day because <laughs> yeah. I feel like the president can't do shit. Um, like, like my entire, okay, quick non sequitur. I love the idea of the presidency, but it feels like when people first get into politics, it's all, oh, I have this grandiose idea and it's really positive. And then by the time they get up to that office. The reality is. Like, yeah. I will say that the one exception 
and I may turn some people off. I am a diehard Barack Obama fan. That man could be president for 50 years and I would have been cool with it. But if you're asking me how you create the infrastructure, I mean, I'm an abolitionist, my friend. I, I would throw the entire thing out and start back up. Mm-hmm. Here, Because here's the funny thing. We have to put all this work into creating diverse community structures in diverse hiring structures. We have to educate people on why diverse hiring matters. Right. When the end goal is to destroy it all. And what I mean by that, for those that are listening, is we know that racial that race is a social construct. So we literally have to educate people to get to the point that all the positive behaviors that this new infrastructure is so ingrained that when we could that we could break down the walls and say, okay, now it's not about diversity we're hiring; it just is. Mm-hmm. And that that is so problematic it is so emblematic of how we have built our society and pardon my language it's bull I freaking hate it look here's my thing I don't talk about this often because I am white passing I'm Middle Eastern I'm Jewish. I'm Israeli specifically. I talk with Desiree B. Stevens all the time, and she's like, "Well, Dan, you're, you know, there's these, there's this dichotomy." Right. And she said something to me really interesting. She goes, "You know, Dan, Jews are the only um, are the only race or religion passable as white that don't that aren't able to take advantage of white privilege." And I thought about that for a Mm. second, because if we look at, you know, the Holocaust, if we look at different things like that, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, it made me think, because then she talks about decolonization and and how you break it all down. Desiree makes me think. Um, She calls what she does her DEI. I love it. Uh, (laughs) What's Desiree's last name again? Desiree B. Stevens. B. Stevens. Okay. Yeah. Definitely connect with her. She she does a lot of stuff on TikTok, YouTube. Um, I had her on racism and the path to healing back in the end of August. So you have all this different stuff. And um, I honestly don't know where I was going with that. Sorry, everybody. That's my ADHD. <laughs> no worries. Um, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> the underline or the base, even though, again, we didn't have a topic, the topic really it's forming around the, you know, the DEI space and just the inequality, uh, yeah, around that from from corporate America, right? Their their ideology, uh, definitely. But you know, to answer your question, if I had the power to change everything for the day, mm-hmm. then I would tell you with one hundred percent certainty, systems would be built where there's no excuse for lack of inclusive, equitable hiring. There would be no gender and racial wealth gap mm-hmm. to exist of. Uh, I would look at things like the requirements for jobs. One of my biggest pet peeves is that a lot of companies say, okay, well, we need a degree for you to have this job, but the degree, what the degree is doesn't matter. And we look at the people that wind up having to take uh, loans out to gather that degree. They're predominantly BIPOC. 
So you're saying the top 2% can start right away the second they get out of school making a whole lot of money because they have the affordability not to go into debt to get their education that they don't actually actually need, that they don't really need for the job itself. Meanwhile, you have people from under from impoverished communities that are doing this stuff because they absolutely love it, not because they were told by mommy and daddy that they have to, not because there is the expectation of them because they actually enjoy doing it. They're busting their tail to do it. But now you're saying, okay, well, you now have to go into $250,000 of debt to start 250 grand behind the person that's right next to you that mm. just has a different level of melanin in their skin. Right. You know what? I know this is a family show. I'm not going to do what I would necessarily like to do in this situation, but it's bull. Yeah. Like it's absolute. You trying to believe? <laughs> yeah, like that's what it is. I and get it. I get it. it drives me nuts. Um. By the way, please don't use the word uh, ally in the conversation with me today. I hate that word too. Get it. Why not? Why not? Share with us. Talk to us about that. Allies are, in in my opinion, allies are a lot of fluff and, and no substance. Mm. I never called myself an ally. I've been called an accomplice. Mm. I've been called an abolitionist. I am an abolitionist. But ally, allies like to think that they're doing the right thing and like to say that they're supportive and actually do nothing. Um, okay, say, say what's on your mind, there. <laughs> one of the reasons I talk as much as I do, one of the reasons I yap my... My gums as much as I do is because there are not enough people talking. There's not enough people certainly that look like me that are having these conversations. We have a very, Latanya Davis did a post the other day. She said, you know, I want to please tag the white men that are doing the work. And I don't know if she got six responses. And of those six responses, one of them was me tagging two people. Yeah. So where the F are they? Like, I thought our parents were supposed to bring us up honorable. I thought our parents were supposed to bring us up knowing right from wrong. Well, if your parents brought you up knowing right from wrong, where are you? Where are you in the conversations that matter? Where are you when? But like you said earlier, um, for for white men in corporate, senior level, whatever, securing their spot, there's that fear. If I do speak up on behalf of what's the consequence, right? There's there's a true fear from from that side. Orlando, do you believe in legacy? Mm hmm. Okay. So let me ask you a question. If you were a person that had an opportunity to speak up and chose not to out of fear, where does that leave your legacy? It doesn't. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm not here 
trying to be another Uncle Tom. I'm not here trying to be somebody that makes a lot of promises and does nothing. I'm here because I got two three-year-old girls in the other room that live in a society that's not going to allow them to be what they want to be. I'm here with people I consider family like Liz Leva, family like Future Kane, that are in pain every single day. I am here because I have a friend named Mark Talley who lost his mother in the top shooting. When the shooter actually apologized to the white guy because he accidentally shot in his direction. I will be damned if my legacy is anything other than forward action. Love it. Love it. But if we're right, we're we're being honest. There there are the folks that their legacy is tied to position um what's the word pedigree um not 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 moving forward just maintaining a certain level of what they perceive to be influence in this current you know current world we live in <clears throat> so not not and that, i think that's you know obviously that's across all uh races it's not it's not just we're not here bashing you know white males and uh, of any of the kind uh so let's get that straight. That's not what we're doing. We're just calling out some things that are evident that need to be brought to the table. Like we, we need more people uh, speaking up. And I think, Dan, you're coming from as a <clears throat> like you're saying from from a white male, um, more white men to speak up on behalf of. Well, yeah, because if you see if you go back at any of the what is it now, 30, 40, 50 um events that i've created and i'm not including healing our future by the way just the ones i've personally created that had to focus on on the black community if you look at the interview i did with mark tally if you look at the bulk majority of the people actually showed up about 98 percent were part of the black community right and there's a problem with that one is that that means that not enough people are tuning in and listening and and taking it in but then the other thing that I'm painfully aware of is that when it happens time and time again, it becomes trauma porn. And I'm not about to subject anybody to trauma porn. It's selfish. It's ignorant. And by the way, trauma porn doesn't just involve, you know, having all of one particular race in a room for a conversation. It also involves saying, okay, well, let's say you do have a white individual that says, well, what can I do to help? Or, or why is this? It also means to me saying to them, well, don't ask future. Don't ask Orlando. Don't ask Lena. Go and research it. Go and research it. They are not your Google. Once you research, once you do the work, once you listen I can't stress this word enough. Once you listen, then maybe you could ask if it's okay to ask a question. 
But all the information's right there. Y'all, you want some resources? I'll give you some resources right now. There's so many books out. You go, if you look at Jackie Abram, if you look at uh, Liz Leva, you could look at, so they have two books out. Well, not three between them. I'm not yelling. That's Liz's new book. Um, if you look at Amber, uh, shoot, Amber Ruffin, and you look up her expose on critical race theory, like these are all ways you could very directly listen in and learn about these things. And for those that say, oh, critical race theory, that's going to be really, mm. ooh, that's going to be uncomfortable. Then you obviously haven't heard of what the actual definition of critical race theory is because it is not, <laughs> it is not some argument taking aim at one race of people. It's quite literally a theory showing how one thing relates to the others. So there's resources out there. People just need to, to go listen, learn. And um, if you get down the road and you're ready to level up that listening, then go on YouTube, look up Dr. Joy DeGruy and her talk on post-traumatic slave disorder. Now that seminar changed my life. That played a critical, critical role for me in my learning. And I only knew about Dr. DeGruy because she wrote the, um, the forward of John's book, Plantation Theory. But once I watched it, and I'm not one for watching a whole lot of seminars with my ADHD. I'm I'm not really good at sitting still. But that that captivated me, or let me rephrase, that held my attention from start to finish. Um, it honestly made me break down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that was a good thing. Do you consider yourself um, somewhat of a activist in a sense? It depends on your definition of activist. What I try to do is if you're talking about activists as, you know, going out and going to a rally or something along those lines. No, I'm not an activist. If you talk about somebody that's doing, and there's always more work that I could do, right? Like I'm not sitting here saying that I've done everything, but I work, I work 16, 18 hours a day. I have the conversations. I sit with people. I try to educate myself and thus through educating myself, be able to educate others. One thing I don't try to do is I don't go into rooms um, of black folk trying to educate them. Mm. I think a lot of times you have these allies that will go in and, and think, okay, well, it's okay to talk about this one's history, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, there's a time and place for everything. There is a point in time where there was a, a training and I just mentioned in a chat that they were talking about decolonization and um, 
a bunch of people said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And the person that was doing the training wasn't familiar with what it was and asked to have the conversation. And then a bunch of other people jumped in and said, I want to have the conversation too. And what I said is I, is I said, look, um, I'm okay facilitating or, or organizing is the, is the better way to put it, this conversation. But as a white, as a, as a person that's had been the benefit beneficiary of white privilege, it is not responsible or my place to lead a conversation on decolonization. Yeah. I think that that's a really important aspect of it. I am not going to be the right person to have every single conversation, you know, looking at healing our future, looking at racism and the path to healing, what, what occurred right before that, these were events that I put on that I sat in the back seat that I produced. And I have to tell you, it's one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. And the reason for that is, is because you, we have to know when we are the right and the wrong person to have these conversations. And by making sure that future and Jen Buck and Dr. Margie Crow and Desiree were on, were sitting there and being the ones talking about it, it allowed the right people to have those conversations and thus a larger impact. So in that time, I understood and I have understood sometimes the biggest impact you can make is by not speaking at all. Mm. And trust me, as somebody that most people tell, tell that say it talks too much, that was a hard lesson for me to learn, <laughs> but I've absolutely loved it. And quite frankly, it's made me, it's put me in a better position because now once my rebrand is complete, which should be in the first quarter of 2023, now when I do have conversations, I'm in a better place, a better capability. I'm stronger in having those because I've had the opportunity to listen and learn and it's a different thing. Like, you know, you've been on, you've obviously do these uh, podcasts when you're actually sitting in the chair, asking the questions, sometimes things pass through because you're so focused on, okay, what's the next question? What's the next derivative? But when you sit back and when you're actually able to peruse, like I've been doing, I'm just pushing buttons. I'm just, you know, I'm giving the final clap, the crowd cheering. We've got, you know, the music going, but that's what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm getting to listen. So mm -hmm. when Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin's talking about imposter syndrome, I get to hear her. When Dr. Richard Orbe Austin is talking about it, I get to hear him. When I have Deidre Wright talking about her lived experience and her healing journey, Dr. Nadia, I'm getting to take these in. And these are people that know better than me, that know more than me, that are more advanced than me. And it's okay for me to say that because I don't know everything, mm -hmm. but I'm a better person for listening. So there's value for being the fly on the wall, obviously. I mean, if you want to call me a fly, uh, I think no. some will call me a buzzard. <laughs> um, but yeah, being I in mean, the room, just being yeah, in the room, there's it, tremendous value. It definitely. It is like, look, I go to every training I can. 
I really, really do, whether it's something I already know or not, because you never know when one thing is going to be said that makes you alter your perspective, mm-hmm. that that helps you learn and understand just a little bit more. Carla Goldberg, who just commented in the chat, you know, when I was doing, when I was creating my disruptors list, um, she was pointed out to me and Carla, Carla amazed me because I don't know a lot of people that speak to trans rights and I was able to go and listen to Carla and what she was doing. And I got a whole lot of education in an area that I wasn't necessarily strong in because I chose to listen. You know, even if I'm, even if it's somebody I've already interviewed, Lisa Hurley just did an interview with Jackie Abram. Jackie is a good friend of mine. I still listened in because I was able to take out different things that I wasn't able to during my interviews with her. So, yeah, it's, it's all about being the fly on the wall, being a, being a fly on the wall is probably one of my favorite things I've been able to do this year. And I'm excited about it. So what does, what does 2023, when you talk about the rebrand coming, what would that include for you going forward? So I showed you this before, but I'll show, I'll show the viewers. Mm-hmm. So, I okay. So y'all could see. So, twenty twenty two for me was all about uh, up leveling. I was able to create and set the infrastructure for a lot of things to come as a professional speaker, as a producer. Although I don't consider myself a producer, I jumped at an opportunity to work with my mentor and close friend, um, and it's been extremely rewarding. But what you're seeing right now is this is my studio what you're not seeing and i'm going to apologize for it being messy over here that is a green screen right there i've got a chair over here those are my kids christmas gifts right there um so this is my whole new studio and like we were talking about earlier we've got some campfire going we've got some fireworks going off i've got a little bit of lightning strike and the reason i'm doing all this the reason I have my new camera is because when you're producing things, when you're going through things, you want to be able to present in an extremely professional way that raises your bar. And that's what I've done. So I've invested a lot in myself this year. Um, I've been working with Inky Black Design. Right, let me turn off the campfire. I've been working with Inky Black Design to... Uh, get new logo, new video intro. I've got a speaker reel coming out. I've got a new logo. Uh, Mark Deeks out of the UK created an entire original score. Hi, Mom. Um, <laughs> created an entire original <laughs> score for me. Um, so I have my own music that nice. is going to be for, uh, for me that is going to go into it. What you're seeing right down here, this is my stream deck that is what is playing all the sound effects. Um, this is our outro for healing our future. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, so it's all about up leveling and really setting the stage. My goal in mm-hmm. 2022, or sorry, 2023, 
is I want to be doing 10 to 15 paid speaking engagements. You know, I've spent a year and a half doing over 150, 250 podcasts to be able to get to this point where I know what I'm doing, uh, where my cadence is down. I'm still saying uh, too much, but forgive me for that. I want, I want to get to the point where the show healing with our future, healing our future with, uh, with future Kane is national because the stuff that she's doing, the conversations that she's having, they're needed to be heard. Mm-hmm. Like just the dynamic of it. So there's so much I'm looking at and, and, and really what it all relates to, what it all comes down to is 2022, we set the table. We started to make an impact. 2023, we are going to explode. We are going to show the world what is possible. And it's not just me. I'm not, I'm not coming alone. I'm coming with my team. I'm coming with people like Christina Sanderson, who's a 22-year-old black female business owner, entrepreneur. She runs a PR firm. She's coming along. We got Future. We got Dr. Lopez. We got so many different people. I'm not name dropping for the sake of name dropping. I'm name dropping because these are people I love and adore. I am so excited for what is to come. I never thought that I would be able to see the fruits of my labor in my lifetime. The fact that I'm starting to see them already, mm-hmm. that I'm starting to see the changes that are made, the work that's being done, that's that's a blessing, but there's still so much more work to do. We're still not in a position where my kids are in a great place. The pandemic's still going on. I've been sick the last week. You know, But we can't stop. We can't stop. We can't stop. We cannot stop. Because if we stop, who's going to start? Hey, Greg, big fan of yours, my friend. Man. So share with us um, a little more. And this is called Healing the Future. Healing our future, yeah. Really so future. let me see. Here, I've, seen, a, I've seen future. I've seen the a few episodes of what you're producing with future. So yeah, based on that, yeah. Um, you know, healing our future is a show that she came up with with Dr. Nadia Lopez, and I jumped on board. Uh, basically, the idea originally was for her to bring on 22 people that have impact that's impacted her healing journey. Mm. Uh, And we've had Kamal Webster, Dietrich Wright, Rich Cardona. I've said Dr. Lopez at least 50 times. Uh, We've had a ton of people, uh, Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin. That was a challenge for me uh, because I didn't, Imposter syndrome was something I was very sensitive about, and she challenged me, and I really appreciate it for it. Uh, we have Joe Cardillo that's coming on. We have Dr. Joe Flack that's coming on. We have a whole bunch of people. But then after that, after that, we're going to be switching it up a little bit. And 
I'm going to start, we're going to start bringing in some more people. Like this isn't going anywhere. And a couple of those people are, are people that have personally affected my healing journey. And not, you know, when I mentioned Jesse uh, Hempel, she's one of them. Uh, I've asked Cher Jones, who, if anybody doesn't know, she's like the OG of streaming on LinkedIn. Um, mm. I adore her. I've asked Erica Rankin, who created a company, another female entrepreneur. She created a company called Brodo, which is a vegan cookie dough company out of um, out of Canada. I've asked, you know, uh, Rachel Beck, who a lot of people know on here, to come on. These are all people that have directly impacted me, and, and you know, I'm not trying to take over. I'm not going to be like the normal host but I do want to bring some more people on that have affected us both. By the way, sorry that I keep on looking at this thing. Um, I feel like this, like this camera, this uh, mic was like the worst thing I could have done as somebody <laughs> with ADHD. Cause I'm like, I'm looking at like, I'm shifting around and going, <laughs> whoops, there it is. Um, so, <laughs> so we've got, you know, it's going to be fun. And then Desiree B. Stevens has asked me to produce her show on, on hood DEI. I'm trying to figure out if I have the bandwidth for that, but I'm definitely going to be working on it. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, and then uh, future and I are going to be trying to do some live speaking engagements together in 2023 as well. Nice. So we're setting the tone. Uh, let me throw it back over to you, Orlando. You yep. are one of, the most conscientious, incredible hosts that's been doing this for as long as you have. So I know you built up this group and this company. What's next for you, Mr. Haynes? Yeah, appreciate the question. I think the biggest thing um, was it's a couple of things. The the newest venture I think is is really a passion now for the the Black Talent Collaborative where um, it's really just educating African-Americans on corporate space, navigating that, you know, that jungle, that landscape from, from everything, D&I, imposter syndrome, um, you know, career development, things like that. But what I noticed, uh, and again, partnering with Willing Along, when we hosted our first event, <clears throat> the folks that showed up, there was, yeah, there was a, a range of, um, you know, skills, skill level. We had some new grads that we just didn't know, but our three panelist speakers, um, again, Juanita Coley being one, uh, Tonya Gibson uh, being another, and um, Lillian Phelps. These are all the two, the last two names I mentioned are uh, executives in their organizations, VPs, and uh, Juanita Coley's an entrepreneur. They there was still a massive gap. Um, and the goal for that for that group really is not to just share resume interview skills, it's to share the personal journey of an African-American in corporate America from different landscapes. Uh, so really closing that gap and understanding if you wanna climb, understand there are different, different wrongs you have to go through, there are different sacrifices you're gonna have to make um, it's not all glorious at the top when you get there. Um, it's not shiny, what you think it may be. It's absolutely not because they're giving the folks I'm bringing to the table 
are giving real life. Like they're in the trenches now saying, this is what I've gone through to get where I wanted to be. But there was a purpose behind that. It wasn't just to say I'm a VP or, you know, whatever it may be, but that <clears throat> that's more where I see my, my work um, pushing it uh, to really educate the community in that space. Yeah. I don't see much of that groundwork and I, you know, just because I, I may be out of pocket here in the, in the Tampa area, but that's where I want to, I want to focus a lot of my time along with the, the, continue to grow the podcast. Well, here's what I'll say to you. And first of all, I think it's great that what you're doing and, and for those listening, you know, what you just spoke of, uh, there's so many people that I know that are doing that work. If there's ever a connection I can make for you that would help with what you're doing, whether it's bring, you know, I'm sure you know Liz, but whether it's bringing Jackie Abrams on, I mean, that's what her, both of her books were, were about climbing the corporate ladder, uh, talking about receipts and the, the dichotomy between it. If there's anybody that I could ever put you in contact with, uh, if you tag me in a post that I could share it with my network, these are all little things I'm more than happy to do to, to really spread it because I love what you're doing. And, and, you know, I've been a big fan of Walena and, and, I'm very blessed to be able to call her a friend. So she knows I'd be able to, I'm willing to do whatever I need to, um, to help. But that brings to something that I really kind of want to touch on. If you're out there listening and you want to know like little things that you could do to make an impact. If you see Orlando doing something about a learning and development or a training within the community, like and comment on it. It takes you five seconds of your time and it spreads it to your entire network. Little things like that can have major impact because when you do it, then somebody else is likely to do it. And when that person's likely to do it, it spreads like wildfire. And these are this is the education that we need because as you just said, a lot of people have varying degrees of leveling. Like not everybody's ready to have conversations about Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not everybody's ready to have conversations about drowned towns or redlining. But at the same time, they may be willing to have conversations about microaggressions or the uh, the uneven dis uh, distribution of emotional labor in the workforce or the aggressiveness of uh, assertiveness conversation. Like you never know what somebody's ready for and not everybody's going to be the same. So I implore all of you watching, if you're listening because of me, if you're listening because of Orlando, or if you're just looking at the guy with the weird Papa Bear shirt, that's on do those little things that matter because they really do have long lasting effects. Dan, uh, I appreciate you, man. Uh, like I said before, we, well, we've been unknowingly fans of each other um, and popped up on different platforms together. Uh, folks don't know, but every time I shared this with Dan earlier, I would pop on an event he was doing. He would call me out and like, Hey man, speak, speak, share, your, you know, share some information. And I was there to learn. You know, so my goal was just to, to soak in, learn, feel the rhythm. And I think that's what um, one thing I got from you, you know, uh, from a connection through LinkedIn is that you're someone willing to step to the forefront, but at the same time, willing to bring folks to the forefront with you. You're, you're not going to fight the fight alone. So I appreciate that about you, bro. Yeah. You know, it's not always easy to share some of the stuff that I share. Uh 
But the reality is that I understand that I'm able to do it when a lot of other people aren't. Mm. So I continue to have these, you know, it just, and I, I should have just said, thank you. But at the end of the day, if I could speak up about something and somebody else feels confident, confident and comfortable to do it because I have, then that's making the type of impact that, that I want to, uh, but, you know, I'm one individual. I mentioned Carla Goldberg. There's so many people out there doing doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that I could shine the light on others that deserve to be shined. Uh, yeah, it's been an honor. And, and I, yeah, I call on you all the time because you are brilliant. And I'm always going to talk you up because you have so much to offer. And while you may be there to learn, I, you know, I see you. I'm like, oh, damn, I'm going to learn from him. So... <laughs> Mutual. I'm definitely going to call you out on that. Uh, but, you know, Orlando, once I finish the rebrand, you're welcome on my show anytime. If you need anything, I'm there. Uh, Willena has my phone number and so, so do you know. So yeah. we'll figure we'll figure it out. And by the way, I, I saw that comment from Kenya. I'm like, no disrespect. I wish that you were from Nigeria because I actually speak Yoruba. But I, and oh, I really? Wow. Yeah. I, I did two keynotes and, and, um, in Nigeria and I it was important to me to learn Yoruba so that I could show respect to them. Yeah. As I was as I was doing it. So yeah, that's what I've got. Well I look forward to uh uh healing our our future um and that that whole um you know, body of work that you're putting together with all the folks that you're doing it with. Did I say that right? Healing our future. Yeah, you got yeah. it right. Okay. Um, you got it right. Um, yeah. Until next time, I would say, you know, in in the words of the immortal future king, <laughs> sit with yourself, y'all, and enjoy the holidays. All right. Enjoy, everybody.